19 degrees here and it's half eight at night. 20. Yeah. yeah, it's not fun, is it? Listen, most confused I've been lately when, when it was like 3 a.m. and I looked at the temperature and it's at 17 degrees Celsius. Uh. At 3 a.m. in the morning, it's like... It, this should be, arguably, the coldest time of this 24-hour cycle. 17 not. degrees. Well, it is. It is. But it's, it's just not cold. I think, um, I think there's a really big thing. Well, a big gap in the market right now for someone a lot smarter than me to, you know, hot uh, no, uh, what are the electric blankets? You yeah. know them. Yeah. Oh, to reverse them. Why is there not a cold version? That's actually a very good idea. Because I was looking on Amazon oh last night God. because we were absolutely dying in bed, and I was like searching for a good hour to try and find something. I couldn't. It was all like shit. You have to put in the fridge or something. And I've tried them like ice packs that you put in the fridge and then put in your pillow. They run out after <laughs> ten minutes. Imagine you have guests over and they open your fridge and there's your blanket in the fridge. Yeah. Like I mean, every single shelf is just filled with blanket. Yeah. My blanket's in the There's not even shelves the in there. It's just like they've been taken out and blanket as a whole has just been like, blanket, shoved in there. In the fridge, vodka in the freezer. That's how I look at <laughs> <laughs> The thing, it will warm up so quickly. Like it, does. it, it does. wouldn't do the job for very long. No, it's terrible. It is because you get like this mega burst of like, wow, that's really, really, really yeah, cold. Yeah, like, yeah. Right from a pillow, you were getting brain freeze. Yeah, and then it felt warm again. Dude, listen, this is arguably the best feeling you can experience when you lay down in bed, and okay. your blanket and your pillow are cold. Man, yeah, it's so cool. So do you see, do you see behind my microphone and my head, there's a fan up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, it provides a little bit, but not much. I have another fan on my bedside table here. Yeah. Blowing at me as well, but it's quite far away, so I don't get any of that. But I turn the fan on the bedside table towards me on a night, and what I've started doing, I've started getting, like, a chair, putting it at the bottom of the bed and moving that fan to just get us from the bottom of the bed. What a game changer. What a game changer that was. I was I felt so smart when I decided to do that. So basically, when you did that, you graduated with a degree in engineering. Pretty much. You could say I'm um I'm like the next engineering prodigy. Mm. Trust because me, I'm an engineer. From yeah. a shelf to a chair. So, By the way, so... happy 50th episode now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, man, we were gonna bring it up. <laughs> I love how we both had no idea how to properly celebrate, like, a special occasion like our 50th episode. Shit, man. But, yeah, happy 50th anniversary, too. Anver hey. Is it an anniversary still? No, it's, it's not. It's not. No. Just, just it's just 50th episode. Yeah. Anniversary is, like, every... Is it, is, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh. As an annual. <laughs> yeah, it's an annual. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. This has just been what two or so years in the making. 
it's a good question. Uh, I was think we're mm, we started Spotify last year. Last but, February. Yeah, we we celebrate our one year anniversary on Spotify already. Yeah. But podcasting in general, I think we started late twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think so. Something, something so. like that, yeah. Yeah, late 2021. I remember we did a bit of Christmas stuff but on the YouTube one. I could definitely look it up because I could just check the upload date of a first video podcast on YouTube. But You could, but you have questions to ask. I have questions to ask. I have questions to you answer do. as well. You do I, I have drinks to consume and questions to answer. That's that's uh, This is the way. <laughs> This is the oh, don't start with the Star Wars stuff. I've been playing Lego Star Wars nonstop for the past three days. Is it good? Oh fuck it! I mean, I've been still I've debating played... like whether or not to get this Skywalker saga thing. Well, I I got it on the day of its release, and I played throughout one, two, and three, and four, five, and six, and then I gave myself a brick, and I just hadn't come back to it. And obviously, I've changed PCs then, and it just didn't like. The fact that I changed PC, so I'm yeah. starting all over. But Which I'm fine with, because I don't remember. I don't remember it, so... I think we're going to get into that sooner or later when we're going through the topics that we that we prepare. But speaking of LEGO Star Wars, LEGO Star Wars used to be like... <laughs> it's something you would tag as Bay in every single post because it's just so special, you know? Like, as a kid, yeah, I hold it so close to my heart. Same. Like, Lego Star Wars was the thing in my childhood. I used to love Zelda, always, when I had Nintendo consoles. And I used to love Mario Kart, obviously. But throughout all of it, and throughout every Switch that I've ever made on any console, so from the Nintendo GameCube to the PlayStation 2, and then eventually to the Xbox 360, Lego Star Wars has always been there. And it's always been the game... I used to get up very, very early as a kid. <laughs> uh, not, not for productivity reasons, but I used to get up very, very early, like 6 a.m. on the weekend. Because then I could spend more time playing Lego Star Wars. Like, yeah. I, I very much realized that Saturday and Sunday would be the two days where I have the most time to play video games. So, as soon as I woke up, I went over to the console and started playing like Star Wars for hours and hours and lands. And I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't matter to me if I played this particular level like 50 times already. I would play with the same enthusiasm each and every single time. It was such a vibe. I miss that in a way, to be honest. I miss that. I, I wish I could have this fascination for a game, this, this dedication, this urge to play some one particular game these days that, that, that would be really great unfortunately my I, I mean i still have that with certain games but it fizzles out a lot quickly than it used to definitely and then i go on to i i will probably get fixated on one game solidly for a week yeah and then i'll probably keep playing it but not as much it'll then all of a sudden it'll be in a cycle of about four games and then yeah. out of them four games my brain just does like a roulette wheel and goes digga 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 you're into this one now I go okay and then that's that's the next week or two weeks where 
I'm addicted to that game. I've I've had this experience, like exactly what you just described. I had this experience lately with Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Odyssey, where I bought both of these games on PC, which I've never played on PC before. Is it because uh, they're on like seven pound fifty? They're pretty cheap, but that, yeah, that's I... that's not the reason. It's just like I played both of these games only once, and I feel like, well, I felt like I could have a very good time playing them again because i do remember them fondly and assassin's creed syndicate i played it for like wait like five to six hours at a time and then for no a week straight no 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 not at all I, I bought it like a week or you're so gonna ago. you're gonna have such a great time all, all the time you've been the, speaking about like assassin's one creed thing one thing i want to one thing i want to spoil for you though it's not about the contents of the game it's just about the looks of the game this game came out in 2016, I believe. And if you put it on like a high resolution, 1440p or 4K, and you max out the graphics, which with your setup you can definitely do easily, it will look gorgeous. If you have HDR on your monitor, turn it on. It looks so good. Oh my God. Dude, that's what like inspired me to get it because um, I was watching this YouTube. It was like a top 10 list. I watched the very like, same video. I, I know exactly which one you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I watched the so, exact same one. I watched that. Hey, and guys, like, wow. it's Falcom here. <laughs> yeah, I watched that and I was like, great. It's 1800s London, pretty much. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I, I'm going to get it. And it was, yeah, it was just by sheer coincidence that it was like £7.50. So another like, game yeah. that I can definitely recommend to you. If you, if you. if you will like Assassin's Creed Syndicate and you want to play another one after him, Obviously, you know, the Atsu Trilogy is always my recommendation. Number one, always have been, always will be. But I think one game you're going to have the most fun with is not even going to be Assassin's Creed Valhalla because it's in England. It's going to be Assassin's Creed Odyssey because it's by far the best RPG in the Assassin's Creed universe of all the three that have been released so far. It's just so good. Like, you have a very nice grind component to this game it's mythical enough to to count as like a standard rpg because most of them are it's not very assassin's creed ish assassin's creed -y. <laughs> but it's good like like but it's a shut it's a shit ton of fun man I was about to say shite, man. Like it, it, <laughs> it's a shite ton of fun. <laughs> I'm becoming more and more British by the day, man. It's it's, it's great. See, the, it's the less the lesson is for shite is it can only be used in and, certain and things. Yeah, in in a swearing it, like context, context, right? Like this is definitely shite. Shit. It can't be a full no, 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 no. It cannot. It's it, I, I've realized that, but. I, I was I was about to say it. I'm gonna remember that definitely. But you know what else I'm gonna remember, Luke? What's that? It's the first game I ever played and the way it did influence my gaming journey. You like that segue? I did. I loved that segue. <laughs> you wanna do you wanna go first? Um yeah, first game I ever played. That's a that's kind of a tough one for me. It's hard to um, remember, isn't it? So I wanna say it could be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I think that might be it. Or 
might be a bit earlier than that. It might be Road Rash or the first Sonic. Something what console like did you play it on? Sega Mega Drive. You're definitely like, okay, at this point, we can definitely tell that you're just slightly older than me because I've never played any single game on the Sega Mega Drive. I oh, know I of it, but I've never played a single game on it. My grandma got like two from a car boot for dirt cheap. Mm. So one stayed at my auntie's and one stayed at my grandma's and neither of them are around anymore. Sad. The consoles and actually the family, funnily enough. But like, yeah, I, I don't know what, I think they got sold. The, the consoles, not the, the family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify, they're not, they're not like um, they're not like slaves on Tatooine. We got some. Java truck rolls around. Do you want to buy some British lads? <laughs> Would you like to buy one British auntie? Yeah, I think my my first game I ever played was probably The Legend of Zelda: The Minish Cap on the Nintendo Game Boy Advance. And how do you think that influenced you? I mean, because for one, it's... I've always loved Zelda games. I, at some point, stopped playing them just because I didn't have access to Nintendo consoles anymore. I was thinking about buying a Switch, but then someone told me that I was like 300 bucks, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like, just... Which is still good. Yeah, but just, just to play Zelda and Mario Kart occasionally. Animal Crossing. Not that into it. Like you, you know my my approach to gaming these days is more multiplayer based. So, like, I think what I would play the most on the Nintendo Switch would just be Zelda, but I only would play those games like once or twice because I think story games have they rarely do have very much replayability. You know, like you can rarely play them like you did the first time because you just know exactly what's gonna happen and oh. what you do drop my fucking coaster on the floor your no. what a coaster oh. oh yeah that's what it's called a coaster a coaster yeah about like the coast c-o-a yeah s-d-e-r oh Mate, I've been taught a new word recently. Shout out to Ali. Uh, Ali told me the word defenstration. Do you know what that means? Defenstration? Yeah, apparently it means... It were, de- know, is that where you defecate but do a demonstration? No, no, no. no. So defenstration, according to Ali, basically means... It, 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 it's one word for describing the act of throwing something out the window. Defenstration. I asked her for the one word she knew that sounds very extra, that even her British friends wouldn't know, like, normally, and that's what she came up with. Like, probably the most fancy word she knows is defenstration. Would you like one from my end? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Blatherskite. Is that slang from where you're from, or is it like an actual normal word? It's an older word, and it means to talk nonsense. Can you, can you say that again? It means... No, 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 The word. <laughs> Blatherskite. Blatherskite. Yeah. 
I'm not gonna ask you to spell that out for me, but I'm gonna. I don't think I could. <laughs> let me Google and let me see if I can. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's exactly how I thought it would be. B L A T H E R S K I T E. Yeah, that's yeah, that's about how I imagine it to be. Okay. Ah, and then in the dictionary it says. A person who talks at great length without making much sense. Foolish talk nonsense. Maybe Politician we should have... gets away all the time with <laughs> blatherskite. Maybe. Just maybe. If we ever reboot the podcast, we should call it that. What, just blatherskite? Yeah. I like it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, Welcome honestly, like, how, how <laughs> Zelda influenced my, my gaming journey for, uh, as my first game ever, uh, honestly, I just fell in love with gaming for one because the game was such great fun. I think Zelda was a great introduction to gaming because it, it very early on displayed pretty much everything or a lot of things that I love in games nowadays still, which is open world gameplay. Because Zelda games, for some reason, always had, like, they, they were pretty advanced in that regard. They've always had this open world. You could just travel pretty much, not not seamlessly, like, there were regions to the game, all right. But within a region, you could just free roam however you preferred. And, I don't know, it just had this medieval fantasy RPG vibe. I didn't even know what any of those words meant back when I started playing the game. <laughs> because it was no, very young. But I'm not quite sure how it influenced my gaming journey. I think I, I play it. Okay, here's probably how it influenced it the most. I think it started my whole fascination for gaming from there on. Because I didn't play it on my Nintendo to begin with. Like, the first time I played it was that game on someone else's Nintendo Game Boy. And after that, after I played it, I told my parents, well, more specifically my mom, I told her, I want one. I, I, I really do want my own Nintendo Game Boy, and I want to play that particular game. I want this game. Because obviously, like, the, that's the only reference I had. I want to play this very particular game. Yeah. So I got the Game Boy, and my, my mom made, made me this deal. So the Game Boy was like, don't let me lie, like 100 bucks. And yeah, I being around about that yeah. so she she asked me to somehow save or acquire 50 like half of it whatever it costs i had to bring half of it and then she would pay the other half and she she, she would give me the game like on the side and so we we made that deal we went through with it, so I got my first gaming console, which was the Nintendo Game Boy Advance, and then I played the game. Quite frankly, I was shit at it. Now you're probably asking, how can you be shit at Zelda? Well, Zelda is somewhat of a puzzle game and has always been. If you're playing it as a very, very young kid, as in like, I don't know, six years old or so, like somewhere around six, you can sometimes hit a very, very unbreakable wall of an obstacle, really. Like, you can just not make any progress because you can't figure it out. And here's the thing. Both my parents are as far away from gaming as possibly they can be. 
So I could never ask them like, "Hey, can you help me out with this?" Like they would probably, like, they would probably be able to figure it out from from like an intelligence point of view, most definitely. But they have ju- they have no experience in gaming, so I had to figure this shit out on my own. And it took me like weeks on end sometimes to just figure out that. Oh, I remember this when. Was it was it Wind Waker or no a Phantom Hourglass Zelda Phantom Hourglass when it released on the Nintendo DS I had a very similar experience. This is the only obstacle I can very much vividly remember that you could use the boomerang, throw it through a torch, ignite the boomerang, and ignite another torch with it, which would then open a door. And Impossible for your brain to figure out at that age. Like, I had to get to the age of, like, 10 or 11 at that point to figure shit like that out. Imagine my struggle as a six-year-old trying to beat Zelda. Yeah. Sometimes it can be very tough, but I love... Like, nowadays, I would love that aspect about a game because it's just mentally challenging, you know? I think that's what's kind of cool about revisiting old games. Like, the stuff you couldn't do when you're, for instance, six years old. You go back to it now, and you're like, easy, easy mode, I've got this. The best ones are when you do it and you go, shit, it's still hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I think... getting, um, I remember getting for the, it was the Game Boy SP, you know, that square flip one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got my Oh, wait, no, the game, That that's it. That's it. the square flip one. Yeah. That's exactly the console I meant, the Game Boy Advance SP or something. Yeah, yeah, because the Advance was more of a rectangle. Okay, no, no, it was the SP. It was the SP. Yeah, it was the flip version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got that was my first FIFA. I got my first FIFA on that. So FIFA 02, I believe, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I used to get pummeled, absolutely pummeled on it. I turned down the difficulty to the easiest setting, and I used to just get slapped. I'd play as Arsenal, which at the time was like one of the best teams in the world, and still get pumped. And now, I'm playing FIFA still, but. I, I'm going entire seasons without losing and stuff like that, and it's nice to see how well I've come and how FIFA has stayed the same. Because let's face it, it's never going to change. <laughs> I was playing FIFA 24, or is it FIFA 20, FIFA 24 at this point? 23 still? Okay. What well, man? They're behind. But so man's playing <laughs> FIFA 23 years later, or 22, 22 years later, 21 years later, or so. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> just as proud of his accomplishment. Well, look at how well I play FIFA nowadays. <laughs> I do, I do. I get too into FIFA. As much as it's a shit game, I get too into I don't it. remember there being a difficulty setting on Zelda, though, ever. I think the, a game like Zelda could still be challenging nowadays. I've seen, yeah. I've seen a couple of people play Tears of the Kingdom on, on multiple streaming platforms, and then... I saw adult people struggling to to figure out a way to overcome the obstacles and, and solve the puzzles in the game. It's actually quite, I don't want to say satisfying because that's probably pretty mean, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of puzzles, because I have been playing Lego Star Wars again, and my god, my brain does not calculate puzzles the average person does it's 
there was this one, and it was like one of the Kyber bricks on top of like a, a giant tower. Yeah. And I was looking all around for a place to grapple up. Couldn't find one to save my life. So I ended up grappling something else and changing to like a, a bounty hunter like um, Django Fett, who had a jetpack. And then pack. using the, yeah, the jetpack, yeah. So I could fly over to another part, grapple that part, and then get on. And then it was like a two-man switch thing. So I could pull that switch down. I was like, so how does the other guy get up? And I noticed a grappling hook right near where I was originally. I just didn't look there. I'd completed the bloody obstacle course without doing it. And I've done that over the past few days where I just cheese the fuck out of these puzzles. And then I see the correct way how to do it. I actually love that. We, we, we've been discussing something similar when we were talking about speedruns in the last episode. But I love the fact that sometimes you can cheese the shit out of games. Oh, I, I, I don't I respect that. So... <laughs> no, <laughs> but more, more like how you can abuse some of the, the bugs and mechanics in a game. To play differently than it's supposed to be played, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely do. Like, I think that's why I like a lot of stuff like open world and sandbox games because definitely it, it's it's not a linear way of thinking. I mean, how, how many times have you have you scaled up the mountainside in Skyrim, like abusing little things that you could actually stand on, even though you were not supposed to go there? Do you want me to be fully honest with you? Never. Rarely. Okay, I've always done that. Extremely, I think it's mainly for the fact that I always have mods which add more encounters on the roads and stuff like that. Because yeah. I never fast travel. I I, I yeah. walk everywhere. So, yeah. me using the paths means I'm going to encounter, I don't know, more NPCs, more battles, more treasure and stuff like that. So, I always stick to them. I really like that approach. However, when I first played Skyrim on the Xbox 360, there were no mods to install on that. Oh yeah, that's probably when I only did it. <laughs> and I, rem oh, I, I remember that I wanted to travel from one city to another and I couldn't fast travel because I've never been there. So I, I set out on my journey to, to this other city and basically you can, you can imagine a very straight line between the cities, obviously. And in, on that straight line, there was a mountain. You could go either left or right around that mountain. And I thought to myself, like, I probably must have thought to myself because I remember that I never went left or right. It must have been a very pride-related thing. Like, it, it must have been really just me saying, I don't accept that. I will climb over that mountain because I do not let this game decide for me that I have to choose between left and right. I will go straight if I want to. So I went straight, and I like probably wasted so much game and lifetime trying to scale this mountainside and make it to the top and eventually down again without dying. That's that's another obstacle. You have to be really careful coming down again. It's it was just like it, it was a principle thing. You, know, you feel me? Like yeah. It had to be done this way. I I couldn't have lived with it if I have done it any other way. It's in like, that particular situation, anyway. Even though you know it's the wrong way, it's now you have gone too far doing the wrong way to backtrack and do the right way. Oh, definitely. It's got to be done like this. Definitely. Oh, I I want to sidetrack uh, for a second there because 
we in my in my masters we we've done one experiment in, in, in one of the courses where my professor gave us a simulation on stock speculation you're basically supposed to decide a course for your for your business and its success would be measured in in the stock price and how much revenue you make so you had two main indicators of success basically and The thing was, you could never succeed, and it, it it sparked a bit of a gambling addiction almost in in every single one of us. Like no one of us wanted to admit that our business was failing, that we could not make a single decision that would benefit the company. Each and every single one of those companies we ran in that simulation, we ran into the fucking ground and below. We indebted. Our companies by millions <laughs> and it's not because we made bad decisions it's just to teach us that sometimes you really have to be able to let go you have to be able to say okay this shit ain't working it's like if you, if you do online reselling and you try and sell a product that just won't work because there's no profitable market for it you have to fucking let it go. Go and try and sell another product. And that's precisely the lesson we were like meant to take away from it. But just just to like make the the connection there. Each and every single one of us, we just didn't want to go back on it. We didn't want to give up on it. Not even when we were like when we were very aware of where this company is headed. It's it, like it's headed to bankruptcy. But it might not. <laughs> but it might not. Like, like, dude, you would not imagine the most creative ways that would, like, they must have worked. Like, for, for example, there was, like, um, you could arrange collaborations in that simulation, as far as I remember. And, like, a clothing company arranged a collaboration with, with Nike. Nike, whatever you want to say. I prefer Nike. I, 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 I prefer Nike as well, but I don't know where I said Nike. I think I remember you saying Nike. 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 It's oh, Nike I'm... anyway. It's Nike. Yeah, Nike. So you, 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 you could arrange a collaboration with Nike. And it, it, this is something in the, in the clothing business. This is such a great move because Nike is obviously a very established business on the market of clothing. It has to fucking work. And it's, it, it's, it's the entire operating system of Supreme. Supreme makes most of its money of collaborations, not of the normal products that they sell, because the normal products that they sell are very basic, even in pricing. Like a normal Supreme hoodie is like 80 bucks, which for a high quality hoodie is still within normal a normal range. However, if they collaborate with... Um, I don't know, Gucci or something, all of a sudden it's 5,000. That's how, and, and, and a limited edition, it's only going to be there once and so many times. So that, that's how they make money. And some, someone tried and make that move, I think, and it wouldn't work. It would just bankrupt the company. And it's so rational. It should have worked. 
by all means it should have worked and then like the the whole point of it was just try and and accept that sometimes you have to let go sometimes you make a mistake and sometimes you even don't but you still have to change course so that's that and in skyrim i just wouldn't and i succeeded with it i succeeded yes dovahkiin made a deal with nike <laughs> Just supreme, man. Just supreme. <laughs> climbing shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. But I feel like ever since playing Zelda, it's been very clear that, like, in terms of how it influenced my gaming journey, I've just always loved open-world games. I've always loved RPGs. In a way, they are just so immersive sometimes. If they're well done, they're so immersive in their very own way. And it's always a bit different because every fantasy universe is just different and unique. And I love that about a game. And because I feel like writers have such creative freedom, especially so when writing an RPG game, sorry, an RPG, a roleplay game, it's just the characters are so immersive. They can just make up stuff. Like, whatever they like to happen. Look at Final Fantasy. Whatever they would like to happen, it happens. But if it, yeah, if it makes sense well, within this universe, and you expect nothing, like, purely logical from, from, from a normal and rational point of view as we experience it in, in our real world, it's just great. It's just great entertainment on a high-quality level. So that, I like that. And that's what I've always liked since then. Like, I mean, I, I've well, I, I think I've played an emulation of like the first Zelda, for like twenty minutes before the emulator crashed, and that's the amount the amount I've played Zelda. I Literally, think, I think you would like it. Yeah, maybe. maybe. But, eh. You definitely like FIFA. I mean, the way FIFA influence your gaming journey you've never you've never not played a fifa could that be oh i have yeah yeah i took i i didn't used to play it like as regularly as i do i started getting back into fifa back in fifa 11 i took like a massive break from really playing fifa properly i'd occasionally play it, but that's about it mm. and then fifa 11 i started playing the career mode and yeah what 12 years later, I'm still playing career modes. I remember you saying that, yeah. The career mode is, is sacred to you. Oh, my mate who plays Ultimate Team has started getting into career mode. I get messages from him every day about what he's doing on it, and I am so fucking here for it. I love it. <laughs> I've converted him. This is how missionaries must feel. <laughs> Why, why, what's Luke, Luke age 26, thinking about starting his own, very own crusade in 21st century. Yeah, all about career mode. <laughs> but listen, man, apart from FIFA, how has your taste in games evolved over the years? It hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Think about this. I have played FIFA for 20 years. I have played RuneScape for 18. Halo Reach for... 12 years minecraft for about 13 years i rarely have a game which i enjoy now which isn't part of my main circle they influence it 
But that mean circle of about four or five games, then it's like a spider diagram. So because of Minecraft, I like stuff like um, hoarding games where you can hoard a lot of items or survival games, sandbox games. You've got your FIFA where I like games which get released every year and never make a change. Then I rant about it, like your CODs and your WWE games. Yeah. You've got your Halo Reach, which then obviously ties onto other Halos plus Call of Duty because FPS. And then what was the other one I said? Animal Crossing. I've been playing that since 2005. Yeah. Like, so it means I also like hoarding games again. I also like chill games. Uh, ones where you can create your own... Games where you can create your own shit. That's what I like. Hmm. I like that approach. I mean, I pretty much summed it up right now when I was talking about how Zelda influenced my gaming journey, but I feel like ever since I played my... Like realizing that i was playing an open world game and that that wasn't zelda at the time like looking back on it that was my first open world game and my first game in one but i feel like my my gaming my taste in games has very much prioritized and and favored open world games over the years i just love open world games the freedom it gives you like the way you can play in your like your own you play you play the game in your very own way however something else that i have very much valued and prioritized over the years and i always say that it's just good storytelling in a game i like open world games but i like them to have a good story and well-written characters as well occasionally i do like for example mmorpgs like like diablo that do have a story yeah they do have characters yeah and you have a role to play in that game yeah but it's not you you don't feel like you're playing a movie and that's that's what i feel like is what i would prefer the most the the ability to play something that feels a bit like a movie when it's got like scripted cutscenes and well-written characters and the relationship between those characters are very much set in stone because it's just all part of the greatest story and the story is just great like supreme and while there's there's no cutscenes going on i still get to play the game in a way i like for example like with the with the order i play certain missions in you know and i know i harping on about it but what you've pretty much described is the new lego star wars because it's oh, really? the, the older ones like it was very linear but like you could obviously do the free play and then you could also do the you know you yeah. just around in like a cantina or whatever yeah, yeah but this one is very open world yeah i've heard that much it's honestly it's it's so good because if you're not in an actual mission that's when you can do like all the stuff like get like solve all the other puzzles and shit like that and mate, honestly, you you'll really like it. Mm. I, I I can't recommend it enough to you. So yeah, but 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 in general, like open world games and then just well written characters, well written story. I like it so much. I enjoy that so much. You you got, you and like delicious know, but at this point that I love playing games with other people. And we're gonna get into that one more in the next with the next question, but. When I play on my own, just by myself, 
I like an open world game with a great story and great characters. That's that's what I prefer. And I I value that so incredibly much, especially nowadays, because I feel like, and I've said this countless times already, I feel like we've str- we, we strayed away from it so incredibly much. Like, I mean, I, the frequency I def- of content has been really prioritized over the quality of the content, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely with you. Like, um, I, I sort of have a new rule for myself recent, uh, over the past couple of years, I'd say. Um, probably actually since ever since the LEGO Star Wars one got released, unless I played Dismantle first. It was between them two. Normally, if I'm playing a game, I will usually have something on, on another screen. Whether it be YouTube, Netflix, whatever. Even music. Whereas certain games, I will make sure I'm not... I don't have anything else on. So Hogwarts Legacy was a big one for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lego Star Wars, uh, Dismantle, Euro Truck Sim, because then it has the radio on there. But the, And I'll probably do it for the Assassin's Creed game I bought as well. Definitely. I, I prefer games when... Well, I don't prefer games, but I like the change of just having that be my focus. Nothing else on another screen. Like, I just get to focus on the soundtrack, the characters, the voices, the gameplay, everything like that. And I really, I've i really started to take, like, a, a, a big shine to doing stuff like that. Mm. I like that expression, taking a big shine. <laughs> so... Listen, which game genre do you think has the is 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 the most immersive for you, and why? Um, right, I. I mean, I, I'd I'd say a cross between like RPGs and sandbox, but mm. different reasons. One because an RPG usually has the story for you, but a sandbox usually make the story itself. And then there's sort of like that in between. So like um, Skyrim, for example. Skyrim has set missions, set quests, and a set endgame. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to do them things and you want to set off on your own adventure. If you just you want really to... do embark on your own journey there. Yeah. yeah. And the ones where I can get invested in a character and a story that I create is the games I love. And not even, believe it or not, that even includes FIFA. Because I can create a team, I can create my manager, and then I can tell that story. It's not the gameplay and how shit FIFA is that keeps me playing. It's the fact that I get to build this story. And that's yeah. how I get invested in it. And yep. that's how I get invested in a lot of things. And yeah, so I, I guess any game which can give me that ability to create and get invested in my own shit. That's yeah, what I'm no, definitely. And I think you just really nailed it when it comes to just immersion as it, as it's probably defined. I have no definition ready for immersion itself, like as a, as a construct, as a, as a word. But I think whenever a game really allows you to dive into that atmosphere of the game into the contents of the game and just stay there sort of like a bit of a meditative state you know what i mean like you're just in the game and you pretty much disregard everything around you that is immersion to me 
That is when right. you feel very, very connected to the game. It's a, it's a special kind of connection that you have when 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 playing a game. And for me personally, I mean, it shouldn't come as a surprise that I do love games like Skyrim or Assassin's Creed. And I I will say that I felt very emerged playing a lot of the Assassin's Creed games and Skyrim and even Oblivion, the predecessor of Skyrim. However, the one game that I feel that, that sorry that I felt most immersed I don't smile at me like that. <laughs> that I felt most immersed playing ever is the Daisy mod. Oh man. Oh right in my heart. Right? Oh it's, man. You could Re, like you feel the tension it's all about with, with the old school daisy ma it's all about survival in the beginning and then it's just about keeping your shit because people are out to get your stuff man dude i play i got so immersed in a daisy mod session once that i cried with happiness at the end <laughs> like that's how immersed i got nine hours it took me nine hours to go from base to Trader City Starry back to base. It took nine hours. Sounds a little bit like a Lord of the Rings journey. Honestly, when I went over the hill and saw my base again, concerning hobbits, what, like, in my head yeah, was Yeah, like, I was get perfect. it. It yeah. was like them coming home at Return of the King. Oh, man, it was just... And this was like five. I, I, honestly, <laughs> like when you just said the Hobbit, I I sort of imagine it to be like uh, like the dwarves when they first see Erebor again. Pretty much, man. it was. Yeah. Oh man, what a and that is still one of my all time like gaming memories, and it will never rarely be topped. It was just so good. It was, it was just nine hours of shitting bricks, fucking yeah. trying to sell everything. I came back to that base rich as. Fuck, but mentally scarred from the past nine hours. <laughs> you know what I also very much appreciate about the time that I played DayZ is just my age, because if I were to play a game like DayZ nowadays, I would still like it, but it wouldn't be the same level of immersion by all means. I have a so much more distant view on on games nowadays, just because I feel like I I, I mature to a level where. I look, I look at games differently. Am I making sense? Like, it, it's, it's not this, this naive and I'm easily immersed in a game kind of approach. And back in the day, I played DayZ, the mod, for the first time when I was 14. Same. By that time, when I was 14, PC gaming was just starting to really accelerate, you know? Yeah, it was getting like, more and more popular, wasn't it? it was yeah. Exactly, and man, it was it it was just great. And then by at that time, I had my first ever gaming PC, and I was so happy to just play all these games that I couldn't play on console before. I could mod my freaking games, man. So I played the Daisy mod, and I got to play my first ever open world zombie survival game, and in multiplayer as well. I could play with my friends. And because it was a mod, and there were multiple, like, you know that, there were multiple versions of Daisy mod out there. You could play Overwatch, Overwatch. virtually anything. 
and it, it was just so great and I had this it, it had such a novelty factor it had the novelty bonus really to it because I've never played anything like it it was a very unique experience and it will always stay in my heart as such Daisy Mod will always be the most immersive game I've ever played. And yes, it's a bit unfair because probably nowadays with all the technological advancements that, we, that we've had over the past years and we're still going to have in the future, games could become so much better. But the Daisy Mod really combined the things that are, that, that are appearing most immersive to me that make a that make a game most immersive to me in a setting that I really did like at the time and still do like now, with my inexperience, if you will, in 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 the scene that introduced it to me as something entirely new. I've seen a whole new world there. That's that's how I can best describe it, and that's why it will always be the most immersive game I've ever played. Sylvia um, Womble did like a. He did like an analysis of Daisy, mm. and he has a very good point. Like the reason, I mean, obviously Daisy mod now has massively fallen in popularity from where it was about ten years Sadly, ago. Sadly, so yeah. Sadly, but look at other games like your Rust, like your Ark, your regular Daisy stuff, and even all your battle royales. All them have hints of Daisy mod in them. Definitely. I mean, like, if, if you if you were playing like Epoch or Overpock, something like with the base building, yeah, days, and you left for like a day or two, or you went to school or college or work or whatever, you came back and all of a sudden your base is ready. It's like rust and arc. I loved Epoch so much. Oh, that Epoch was it was it was Bay man. It was so good. And then you discovered Overpock, where they just threw a shitload of cool weapons at you as well, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> Dude, those were the best servers of them all because I, I like. Have you ever played the Daisy standalone? Yeah, I hate it. It's shit. Sorry, it's <laughs> shite. <laughs> it's it, dude. It's so bad. The loot drop is insanely bad. Not and, just that. But like I, I always liked playing with like um, AI missions and walking zombies. I, I always liked playing with that. AI missions were supremely overpowered against you. And the walking zombies were ones which could sneak up on you pretty much, but they were a bit less... They were classic zombies, how I'd say, and I prefer classic zombies. And then you get to standalone, and the walking zombies mod barely works. There's very little mod support to begin with. There's no AI missions. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do in this game? Like, if I, I have to go around killing players, I don't just, like... Just that. survive killing players, man. It's literally yeah, just that. Yeah. It's so boring. Yeah. The, the Daisy game is probably... Like, ne next to Assassin's Creed Origins, it's probably the game I would say I wasted my money on the most. And it's only, like, 40. Was it 30 or 30, 40 when it first released? Uh, oh, 30, I think. I think 30, yeah. Dude, I, I regret that so damn much. Yeah, I've got about... I mean, hold on, let me... So, me and a few of my mates decide to play it for a bit. Um, but it, it, it just... It wasn't that appealing. For instance, I've got 74 hours on it. 74 hours, in my opinion, is about 72 many. 
But then you look Fair. at Armour 2 Operation Arrowhead, which is what the DayZ mod runs on. 424 hours. And in my opinion, that's 400 less than I should have played. It was too good. It was uh, honestly, it is one of them games which, if it was a bit more mainstream, it'd still be popular now, in my opinion. But the standalone, the standalone just did not have what the mod had. The true. mod was it's just... the mod was janky as fuck. You'd break your legs on a gate opening, and you'd yeah. be having the time of your fucking life. Dude, <laughs> like also the bugs were the the because. With mods or servers where there was such a high loot drop, you know, there there was so much loot that you could just easily gather shit again. If you if you like died off of something like bleeding or something, north, uh, or northeast it's just it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Also, in the mod, there were like helicopters and cars. Like if you if if one of your team died, you could just pick them up. Or you had the um, good one, which, like, if you right-click the toolbox, you get to deploy a push bike. That was always a good mod to have, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't start... I actually never played... I, I, I don't remember ever doing that, to be honest. Maybe I did play it. Like, maybe it was part of the servers I was playing on, but I don't remember ever doing that, not gonna lie. Definitely an easy thing to miss. Like, people... Like, the, the people that I was playing with and I, we, we were mostly just walking, and then at some point we managed to get a car. Then it was just GDs, man. And thing is, it's it's not that frustrating. It's not that devastating even to 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 die in Daisy mod because you can just easily get your stuff back. But if you die in the Daisy standalone, man, like it, it's twelve hours of just searching shit. for gear, and you're not even remotely close to what you had before. It's just shit, man. And Another thing about the Daisy mod that was such just superior to to the standalone, it's just if you grew tired of one version of the mod, you could just play another. Yeah. Like going from E Park to 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 Over Park, like you said. Yeah. Just also just well. like switching things up, you know. Yeah, there were so many options, and we're only talking about like the three main mod ones, but there was there was about fifty. There was a, there was a great many. There was so many different like mod packs. I love how passionate the modders just were about creating something like a, a unique gameplay experience within this game. Yeah, it gave them free reign to pretty much do whatever. I've always loved that. I I just love games. I, th which do I that. think like, honestly, release, they basically go. I mean, I think this is why I still hold like a lot of a lot of Bethesda games in in my heart a, a fair bit. As much as I think what they do is almost like a lazy thing, definitely they still do the thing of we will open it to full mod support. If there's something you don't like, fix it. If there's something you want, add it. More games need to do that. FIFA made it harder this year to mod their game, and it's a fucking nightmare. The WWE games could desperately do with a good modding platform because the creators work really hard to make sure it works and a lot of the time it just doesn't because it's really fucking difficult if you have to use cheat engine and bend your ass over backwards to get one simple mod to work at that point sometimes there's just not much point trying to fucking mod it i think honestly 
because the mod we can not really categorize as its own game in a way i would still say that the modding community and the don't modding question. sorry sorry what don't question what i'm doing okay cool i'm cooling the, myself down the modding community earned armor 2 and specifically armor 2 operation arrowhead a permanent spot among the top 10 games of all time seriously like st true statistics or no from my point of view ah right because they're fucking hell like it, I, I would even go as far as to say I'm not quite sure if it's gonna make top five. I would have to see about that, but top ten definitely, easily. Yeah, I easily I have, have to agree with you on that one. Definitely. Look, I wanna I wanna throw one last one at you for this episode. Okay. What are some of the most memorable gaming moments that have stuck with you? And I mean, you've already told us about the moment when you saw your base again, but like, what are some of the most other memorable ones? I was hoping this was gonna this was gonna come up because I've had one in my mind for like the past forty five minutes now. All right, hit me. And I used to play Gary's mod with um, a few kids that they were a couple of years younger than me. I think when I was <clears throat> what was it? So I bought Minecraft in twenty. I don't know just before it hit beta one point three. Yeah. So I was about fourteen. They were about between eleven and thirteen, and. One day I was just chatting with one and he said, Oh, have you heard about this game called Minecraft? Like, no. And he started linking me to like a few videos on it. I was like, dude, this looks fucking sick. You can build anything you want. And he's like, yeah. It's like, what? So literally anything. He's like, yeah. You can chop that tree down. Yeah. You can mine into that. Yeah, you can. Immediately in my head's going like fucking mental because I'm seeing all these trees and stuff going, I want to build a tree. I want to build a castle. I want to build a tree. And I got sent a few videos from him, and obviously at 14, I was ruined downstairs like, Mum, does this game, it's like 15 quid, because it's in beta, I really want it. And she went, right, okay, you can have it, just pay me the 15 quid. Not a problem. However, this was back when, when you bought Minecraft, you had to wait for your account to get activated for it. Yeah. You had to wait about 24 hours. Yeah. And all that night... I didn't want to play anything else. And this was only about like eight o'clock at night. I did not want to play a single thing. So eventually when I went to bed around about 10 o'clock, I had school the next day. And I went to bed at around about 10 o'clock and I loaded up. It was either on my phone or iPad. Can't remember which one, but I loaded up Survival Island, which was a Yogscast series on Minecraft. And I think I watched just about all of it in that night. And I went to bed at about six in the morning, <laughs> ready for school at seven. I was fucked all day, falling asleep in every single class, trying to find a place in like lunch to try and find a quiet place to have a nap, everything like that, all to get home. And that as soon as I tried it, Minecraft worked. And that first world, I remember loading up on a sandy beach. And I remember being shit scared. I was like, right, okay, let's put it on peaceful, thinking that's the easiest difficulty. And then when night came, I hid in a dirt house. The first thing I ever did, hide in a dirt house, shit me, shitting myself. Tried to put glass in a furnace, and it worked. I was like, hey, that's RuneScape practices coming in. 
I did this for three Minecraft days of hiding in this dirt house, only to realize that peaceful meant there's no enemies. So I, <laughs> so I did eventually change it. The worst thing, <clears throat> but this was on the same world. I created a nice little town. I had a river going through it, but didn't know you could use a bucket to make a level water. So it was just a ravine going down and down and down. <laughs> so it looked terrible. But this was on my first laptop, so it ran like shit as well. And I ended up um, going to a family friend's house because they had about four kids themselves. And one of these kids was having a sleepover with his mate at the time. So there was only three of us in his room. I was showing them Minecraft and I was showing them while I was mining. And while I was showing them, I found my first diamonds. My first ever diamonds. You have no idea how happy I was. They didn't think it was a big deal, but you've played Minecraft. Ecstasy. Yeah. And about 10 more minutes into mining, I quickly nipped to the toilet. The guy who was sleeping over at my mates logged on and put me in lava and killed me. I beat the shit out of him. You're not friends with this guy anymore, are you? I'm not... I wasn't friends with that guy in the first place. It was my it was my friend's friend who'd gone to his for a sleepover. Oh man, do do you remember? Like like is is that some is that a thing? Like when your friends, like your really good friends, you get along with them so well, but they do get along with people, and they're friends with people that you just despise as a person. I never met the guy. Up until that night, I've never met the guy. Oh, because I, I, I do remember that phenomenon from, from school that some people I knew and I, some people I, I was very close friends with or still am sometimes. They, 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 they were friends with other people. They just couldn't stand for the yeah. fuck of it. Like despicable human beings, really. Yeah. On I, a I very, still, very fundamental level. I still come across that nowadays. It's fucking irritating. It's it's like you, you you think to yourself, okay, I I like this person so very much, and I value them so much as a friend. They're such a great person. How can they be friends with a person like this? Yeah, yeah. You just think, wow, how how does it work? I'm not around. Yeah. Anyway, I think, and <laughs> I cannot believe what I'm saying this again, but. It shouldn't come as a surprise. One of my favorite, or not not favorite, but most memorable moments in gaming is definitely related to Assassin's Creed 2, just because it is my favorite game. But it's not what you think it is. You're going to be able to relate to that. My most memorable moment of the game is finishing it, sitting in front of that TV. I was playing on Xbox 360, and I was sat in front of that TV, I finished the game, the credits rolled, and I realized, shit, this will always be my favorite game of all time, and I've just finished it. I will never be able to play it for the first time again. I will never be able to experience it like like the first time. It's a harrowing feeling, isn't it? Do, do, do you feel me, right? Yeah. It, I, it, it was such a sudden realization because obviously I was looking forward to finishing the game. I took my fair time when playing the game for the first time because I obviously enjoyed every minute of it. But 
when I finished it, I was sat there. And I remember my mum called me pretty much around that time. And we were talking about something else, but then I mentioned to her, hey, I just finished the game, and, and, and she's like, yo, what was it like? Like, how'd you like the game? Because she was the one who, who bought it for me, obviously, at the time. And I told her, I, I, I honestly don't know how to feel right now, because it was such a great game, but I know for a fact, in this moment, I just realized... I'm never going to be able to play this for the first time again. I'm never going to be able to to feel, like, to have this feeling of connection to the game for the first time again. Yeah, It's, it's something very, very special. And I am very happy that I do remember this moment so so vividly. Because I would hate not having a proper memory of that. It was just, like, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything other than that. Another game, though, that I feel like I have very memorable moments of, like, I don't know why. Have you ever played Fable? Uh, I played Fable 2. Exactly, that, that's the one I'm getting at. The Fable franchise, Fable 2, I bought it, I don't know why I bought it. Just, I was, I was at a retail store in my city, and we were looking, like, my mum was looking for something, like, uh, a coffee machine for for her office or something and i was i was like obviously i was in the game section where else would i be of course so i was looking at xbox games and fable 2 was on discount it was on sale for like 20 bucks i was like hey can we can we can we pick this up can we take this and she was like yeah sure so i played fable 2 and for some reason, this game just this game was definitely on the on the top list of most immersive games I ever played. Just because I was able to go in, like I was able to just dive in to that game so much. I don't know what it was about the game. To this day, I couldn't tell you why because it's actually a very very silly game. Sometimes it's also ruined a bit of my vocabulary. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Every time, every time someone says to me, like at night time, they go, "What time is it?" I go, "The time is very late." <laughs> but fucking tell Cryer, he's ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know the story and like how decisions would impact the way the game would evolve around you. The world would see you. It was yeah. great about that game. I feel like that's probably the most the aspect about the game that makes it the most outstanding comparing to to most other games i've played exactly that yeah oh, that that and do you remember the choice at the very end when you defeat a uh lucian 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 however my mate did and he told me all about it so you you basically had a choice like you were confronted with a way to alter fate of the entire world so yeah. you could either fix something or you could take that power and and be a tyrant with it. And I do remember it like it wasn't even a real choice. I was just like, yeah, of course I'm going to fix the world, man. Like, uh, of course you were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing the white tee today. Have you noticed? Mm. 
I'm I'm engulfed in full black again. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. We're we're in the old setting again. We yeah, we've, we we've gone back to our old ways. The yin and the yang once again. <laughs> but yeah, Fable Two definitely is some of my most memorable moments in gaming for some reason. I, it just came to my mind very much instantly. But then again, my most memorable moment has always will always be this this feeling of finishing my favorite game of all time. And I'm I'm sure everyone listening to this can relate to this in some shape or form. Like just whatever your favorite game is, remember that feeling of finishing it for the first time and and being aware of or maybe not being aware, but maybe now being aware of just you're never gonna be able to play it just the same way you've played it for the first time. I think the best way to possibly do that, you're never gonna obviously like you said, you're never gonna get to it, but do what I do with Breaking Bad. I wait a good five or six years to try it again. Well, I say try again. Watch the entire thing. Because odds are, I've forgotten something by that point. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I do. Like, um, games with a story to them. So, for instance, I finished Hogwarts Legacy last year. Or this year. Hmm. This and it was year. this year. It released this yeah. year. Yeah, this year. Sorry, it's been a long year. <laughs> it's only fucking June. <laughs> And I, I really loved it. I absolutely loved it. I will treasure that story for a long time. It was great. And I'll wait a good six, seven years probably to do it again. Yeah. Because, I mean, in my opinion, I've already got my money's worth out of it anyway. But because I still own it, it's great. I get to do that again in six, seven years. I get to replay it and not remember a thing. I like that. I yeah. like that. It's a good system. Man, honestly, all this talk about games made me not only feel very nostalgic, but also just within me, I feel like a bit of a reignition of my love for gaming right now. I, I don't know, I feel so connected to gaming in this particular moment. Yeah, you have no idea how much I want to play Lego Star Wars right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't closed it. It's minimized in the background. I've uh... had to the screen myself so i don't fucking get tempted to click on it maybe i'll know one day maybe i'll know one day what it feels like uh, well for, for the for the skywalker saga specifically because obviously with the other ones i know yeah they were 10 out of 10 games definitely they were so much fun but yeah i think that's going to be it for today's episode then do, do, do you have a fun fact today's fun fact is that it's our 50th episode Thank you so very much, man. You're such a creative person. Holy shit. 